Welcome to another episode of Album for the Day with John E. and Jay. Album for the Day, November 19th, as we continue with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees Breakthrough Album. And we bring you a special Construction Zone edition today <laughs> because the man with the jackhammer don't give a damn. No, he does not. Uh, today we deal with Ramones, Ramones. Mm. It is their first album. And that's why that is not only getting a pass as a title, but a great title for their first album. Yeah. It was recorded February the 2nd through February the 19th of 1976 at Plaza Sound in Radio City Music Hall, New York City. It was released April 23rd of 1976 on Sire Records. It peaked at number 111 on the U.S. Billboard 200. And it was on the Rolling Stone Greatest Albums of All Time in 03, 12, and 20. And in that order, it was number 33, number 33, and number 47. I'm so, going to say that's tragically underrated for this, because this is, this is, this is an invention of a style of dude, music. This is, an, this is easily an Abbey Road white album. Like oh, I don't know there. what was ahead of it. I'd have to go look it up. Yeah, but, but this is literally forty-seven. Cr- is this created an a genre of music? It created a genre. This is the first. Nothing like this had ever been played before. I'm not going to say created because that's the thing about music trends is they always start before people record them, before they bring them to the mainstream. But what I will say is that yeah. it, it balanced it and it focused it mm. so that it was able to be an influence to everyone. And because they were able to balance it, focus it, and we're about to go into great detail how it doesn't seem like they were balanced or effing focused <laughs> with anything they did here. But, but Joey it Ra- comes jo- off that way. But Joey Ramone was one of the smartest... I mean, if you listen to any interview the guy ever had, you know, the guy was just, he was a very intelligent, brilliant guy. And their style of music just never really fit in because Joey never really fit in. And to, like, put this music together as a band in New York at CBGB and all these things... Like it was like all these things just popped off all at the right time, right place, and that's, everything. That's what makes this album in that upper tier mm-hmm. is the fact that not only was the art there, not only was the talent there, the drive, all of it was there, but the timing, the circumstances perfect. are what frosted that cake oh, yeah. and made it delicious. Yeah. Um, this was produced by Craig Leon, who also had worked with Blondie, Richard Hell, Guy Clark, and the Bangles. I'm going to repeat that variety of people <laughs> one more time. Yeah. Blondie, Richard Hell, Guy Clark, and the Bangles. It's so anyway, Craig Leon it. opened his own studio in Miami, but he moved to New York when he was hired as an assistant to producer Richard Goderer who co-founded Sire Records with Seymour Stein. Stein. Uh, He signed The Talking Heads, The Pretenders, Madonna, also worked with The Replacements, Depeche Mode, The Smiths, The Cure, and Ice-T. 
Ooh, a little iced tea on there. That's nice. So Craig Leon and Tommy Ramone produced this. The band only needed seven days and $6,400 to record this album. They used similar techniques to the Beatles and advanced production methods that were brought in by Craig Leon. Um, are you ready for the album cover? Oh, my God. Shot by Roberta Bailey of Punk Magazine. Features the four members leaning against a brick wall in New York City. Uh, it ranks number 58 on Rolling Stone's 1991 list of 100 greatest album covers. That's so low. The record company paid $125 <laughs> for the front photo, one of the most imitated album covers of all time. By far. Designed by Arto Vega, Arturo Vega, who produced the photo of the belt buckle on the back cover mm-hmm. in a photo booth in a photo booth it's it's, um, it's this is it's, another it's reason. got an eagle belt buckle and the album's liner notes on the back and the man literally did it in a photo booth and this is also another reason why this is so iconic and it's as so an effing punk rock it's so i don't punk need rock. your expensive ass photographer Mm-mm. you got some quarters yeah so, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, this, singles from this album, Blitzkrieg, Blitzkrieg Bop and I Want to Be Your Boyfriend, uh, did not chart. This was number one on Spin Magazine's uh, 50 Most Essential Punk Records. And the 2013 Rolling Stone number two on the 100 best debut albums of all time. Number two. Number two, yeah. No. I mean, who would If you want to know number one, go look it up. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know whose would be better because this is literally the most... This is the best introduction to a band ever. This is like... You know what it was? I don't. Christopher Cross. You've got to be... You've got to be kidding me. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I've lost touch with the reality for a second. All right, so uh, so Blitzkrieg Bop. Um, this is a song uh, for those of you who don't speak German. Um, Blitzkrieg Bop. What Blitzkrieg uh, means uh, in German is lightning Ooh. war, um, and what that actually was used. It was a World War II tactic uh, of it's a surprise attack with with air support. That's what they called the Blitzkrieg. Um, and Blitzkrieg Bop was one of these... So it's a response in a very poignant kind of way that seems light because of you know the music and whatnot, but it's definitely a response to that whole thing. The lyrical content on the entire album just kind of varies widely between... Um, humor, Nazism, as well as violence, relationship issues, drug use. Uh, I mean, we snuck Nazism in on the list of topics for crying out loud. Like, yeah. but at the same time, like, it's a very valid perspective. No, you have me say Blitzkrieg about World War Two. I mean, like, well, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. look at the punk shoot environment, them in the no. when you look at the punk environment at that time and mm-hmm. how that was actually a very prevalent thing in the moment in that movement, 
and how they were making a statement basically to the effect of don't do that. No, this is the thing that people get really caught up with. People that don't understand the punk movement. People think this movement was about skinheads um, and this, you know, like, oh, white power. No, the punk movement was the actually antithesis of that. The thing they, is, the punk movement was rebellion, but people mistook it and stuck it in a smaller compartment of the rebellion yeah which didn't necessarily apply you need to pull it back out to just general rebellion yeah. which is what they were all going yeah. after the whole time yeah um it, it's it's easy to mix up the message though yeah so the uh the song judy is a punk is partially derived from burl ives's there was an old lady who swallowed a fly I'm going to let you be the judge and go listen to that. Um, Chainsaw, unlike today's Construction Zone episode, <laughs> includes the continuous sound of a running circular saw and was influenced by 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm -hmm. which actually was coming out while they were um, in the process of recording this and was a big, big hairy deal in New York at the time. And they were like, I've got the perfect thing. <laughs> so I want to be your boyfriend though is, is a great song. And oh, as yeah. we've talked about that previously with the Avril Lavigne episode, it's easily imitated and frequently done. So, mm -hmm. but it's got Glockenspiel. Did mm -hmm. German say that right? You did. Uh, 12 string guitar, tubular bells and was written by Tommy by himself. It's a tribute to love songs and pop acts of the 1960s. And when you think about that in that context, this is a Ramones tribute to love songs and pop acts of the 60s. That is a perfect description of what it is. It's a total throwback to that, but us. Mm. And um, now I want to sniff some glue. <laughs> That's so fucking So Dee Dee said, uh, quote... I hope no one thinks we really sniff glue. I stopped when I was eight years old. Unquote. <laughs> uh, it was inspired by one of Punk's first fanzines, Sniffing Glue by Mark Perry. And uh, I think probably my favorite thing that I discovered looking up this album was about I don't want to go down to the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debbie Harry of Blondie said, quote, I think that song is partially about the bathroom at CBGB. As kids, we never wanted to go down to the basement because it was so dark and scary. And that toilet was certainly very scary, unquote. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, granted, Debbie Harry is a, a lady, woman, whichever category you want to throw. Oh, she's a lady. Mm, Tom Jones. Pull mm. it back a notch. She's a lady. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling yeah, kind of Welsh today. <laughs> and uh, 53rd and 3rd, uh, just so we throw a quick thing in there, didn't mm. know that Dee Dee uh, used to turn tricks on 53rd and 3rd's corner yeah. as a male prostitute. Yeah. As a... Damn catchy uh, account of that. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, the fact that he was very unapologetic and said, it is what it is. Yeah. Is, Didi, uh, Didi wrote most of the songs on this album. I mean, like, he was, uh, he, I mean, and to be for this as a debut album. That's the thing, is, is you the shortened thing. the time that you took to do it, and you still managed to just literally exceed Every, Every possible benchmark. Mm-hmm. Um, the influence was wide and varied and international. Um, I mean, literally hundreds, if not thousands of bands can claim the Ramones as an influence. I'll list The Damned, The Clash, Black Flag, The Misfits, and Green Day. Good because Lord, yeah. that immediately it's, came up. Miley Cyrus wears their t-shirt all the time. I mean, Indeed. come on. Yeah. I will say, if you're digging the Ramones, this made you happy. There's a number of songs on this album that were on a 2003 album called We're a Happy Family, a tribute to Ramones, which I bought at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Havana Affair is covered by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, 53rd and 3rd by Metallica, Beat on the Brat by U2, Blitzkrieg Bop by Rob Zombie, and I Want to Be Your Boyfriend by Pete Yorn. Uh, Rob Zombie and Johnny Ramone actually produced that album together, and Rob Zombie did the cover artwork. So if you know anything about Rob Zombie, Man, you know dude, that's going to be a delight. That dude can draw. In addition, should you ever find it, you should totally buy it, if not for the music, because Stephen King wrote the liner notes. That's awesome. That's awesome. And also, as a random fun fact, how the Ramones got their name, I found absolutely, it's a delightful story. Uh, So, Paul McCartney used to sign in whenever he was checking into hotels in New York City as Paul Ramone. Hotel alias. Hotel alias. And so, like, it became, like, a big story around New York. Oh, if... Paul Ramone is checking in somewhere. It's a big deal. Blah, blah, blah. So, like, kind of out of a weird spite or a weird, like, oh, yeah, well, he thinks he's a big deal. Like, we're going to be a big deal. They They're going to be on... bigger than Jesus. We're going to be bigger than them. Exactly. And they took on that persona, but also the antithesis of the biggest band in the world to be that, like, yeah, well, pfft. We're Ramones. You took two years to record that. Exactly. We took two weeks. Two, two hours. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's a great album. Uh, definitely go check it out. Uh, album for the day today, um, November the 19th, is Ramones by Ramones. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at album, the number four of the day. Uh, give us a follow, subscribe, wherever you listen to us. And... Um, Feel free to email us with your uh, suggestions and requests at albumfortheday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Beat on the brat with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. If you're listening on Spotify, after starting the podcast, you can search for the album, use the three dots, and hit add to queue. Now the album will start as soon as the episode ends. Woo! Woo!